This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in His power and love even now as you listen. My name is Alan. I want to thank you all for having me today. It's a humbling honor to be able to speak to you today. Uh, my friends, brothers, sisters in Christ from Cypress Chapel send their sincere hellos to you. And I'm going to go back and send them their, your sincere hellos and highs to them too. So it's been a, a labor of love going over there preaching in the church out in the swamp. It's a literal swamp out there. But uh, I tell you, I've met some great and wonderful people and I know that there have been some folks here that have had their beginnings over there. And so... I'm just thankful for what God's doing over there. But if you don't mind, I'm just going to grease up the pipes real quick. And don't get the impression that this place is open today, because it's not. It's the only cup I could find back there. But if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. That's all the way in the Old Testament. Some of y'all, if you've been a Christian very long, you've had a chance to uh, go through this book. Solomon is the presumed author, written about 935 B.C., back in the day. So we're going to look at chapter 7, verses uh, 1 uh, through 10. I, was only, I didn't even get through halfway in the first service, so hopefully y'all are going get to get, get a little bit extra. I'm going to supersize your sermon for you. So here we go. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. The Word of God says, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the, death of, and the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay, lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This also is vanity. Surely oppression drives the wise into madness, and a bride corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that it's sure. We thank you that it is pure truth. We thank you, Father, that it has the power to transform our lives. We thank you that you illuminate it through your Holy Spirit. And we pray this morning, please give us understanding of it. Speak to us each individually. And I pray, Father, that as we've come here today, help it not to be an intellectual uh, exercise, but, Lord, help it to be a sobering experience with you. Speak to our hearts individually. Help us, Father, to just really focus on Christ today as we tackle this topic of life and death, wisdom and foolishness. We just ask you, Father, illumine your word. We pray, Father, for those that could not be here. We pray for our military. Please protect them and their families. Pray for our first responders also for safety and protection. 
and just thank you so much for this uh, ability to stand and sit under your word. Thank you for the freedom of religion that we have, freedom to exercise our faith. We know many of our other brothers and sisters globally are not as fortunate to have these facilities. Lord, they operate in mud and huts and deserts and underground uh, houses, Lord, to flee harm just to worship you. And Father, for them we pray this morning. In Jesus' name we thank you. Amen. Well, I'll get one thing clear. Uh, as David said, I've, you know, I'm going on my 20th year on the force. I love donuts. Okay? <laughs> and a bagel is a donut trying to impersonate it. You know, okay, we have police impersonators. That's what bagels do, but I like those too. But I want to tell you a police story to begin our uh, message this morning. There was this guy going down the road, and uh, he's going pretty fast. And before you know it, he had blue lights on behind him. And uh, he looked in his rearview mirror and said, you know, I, I think I can outrun this guy. So he pushed the pedal to the metal a little bit quicker, 65, 75, 85, 90, 100. And when he realized he couldn't shake this guy, he said, well, let me just pull over here. And out comes the police officer, approaches him, and says to him, you know what, pal, I've had a pretty crummy day. And I think if you give me a good excuse, I might just give you a warning and let you go. What's your story? And he said, you know what, officer, my wife left me three months ago. And the reason I ran from you is because she had left with a police officer. I thought you were the police officer and you were trying to give her back to me. <laughs> he used quick wisdom at a very critical moment. By the way, I guess he let him go. You know, 100 miles per hour. Wow, that's pretty lenient. But wisdom today is something that Solomon tackles. And it's something that we all need in copious amounts sometimes. I know I do. I need all the wisdom that I can get. And Solomon brings us to this point here of discussing some of the gravest topics in life. Life and death, wisdom and foolishness. You know, we have these words, these idioms that we use today. Uh, here's one, calling uh, the kettle black, the pot calling the kettle black. That's like saying, you know, hey, you know, look who's talking. You know, you're accusing somebody of what you're guilty of also. And then there's that other saying, you know, putting the cart before the horse. You know, some people say, well, I think I'm going to go to work and then go to college. You know, that's not the way it goes, but look at me up here. That's what I did. You know, I put the cart before the horse. And then there's another one that I like. It's called, I'd love to be a fly on the wall. You know, every time there's a fly on the wall, my wife heads for the fly swatter right away. <laughs> so, that means you would really love to hear what's going on in there as the boss is chewing out one of your buddies. I'd love to be a fly on that wall. We like that stuff, to hear that stuff. Put the glass against the wall so you can hear. And then there's another one. The elephant in the room. I love the elephant in the room. You know what that means? It means here we are, let's say we're in a meeting, and we're discussing a, a topic, and then we're not actually discussing whatever but he has on their mind. We're absolutely ignoring that. And what Solomon is doing here, he's directing us to the elephant in the room in the saga of life. He's telling us, look, 
There's this gigantic issue that we need to sober ourselves to because that's how life runs. We can't go through life just meandering and ignoring certain things like death. Death is absolutely uncomfortable to talk about. You know, being in my profession and some of you here in the medical field, you see death all the time. Death is not comfortable. It's, uh, it's, it's a hard thing to really consider, but it is the elephant in the room. And boy, what a long trunk it has. And Solomon says here in verse 1, a good name is better than precious ointment. He talks about the character of a person. How do you get a good name? You get a good name by your honesty, your integrity, and your character. It is an inward beauty that we possess. Many people have left this world and left a good name, and some have left a really bad name. Let me give you some names that have left this life that just, you know, bring thoughts of, uh, you know, making us aghast, like Adolf Hitler. You think about him, you think about the worst person that ever lived. You think about Charles Manson. When I first moved to the United States, I heard about Charles Manson. I got really scared about crime. Who knows? Maybe he was the catalyst for me going into criminal justice. Who knows? Then you got names like Saddam Hussein and all these other really crazy folks that lived in the past, like Nero. And then you have good names like Billy Graham. That's a good name. Mother Teresa. Ronald Reagan. I like that name. Most of you all do too. But a good name is something that we would really like to possess. I think it's the legacy that we should really all strive for. And Solomon's saying a good name is better than precious ointment. Now, the ointment and the perfume that he's talking about here represents the material things in life, the riches in life, the things that we go after. That's what it represents. Back then, obviously, perfume was a very, very expensive thing. And it's not all bad. You know, we've got all kinds of perfume today. Calvin Klein, Liz Taylor. I can't pronounce all the other parts of it. But it gives... When they do these commercials on TV about perfume, they, it gives us a false impression. They think if you, if you just squirt this stuff on, spray this stuff on, somebody's going to fall in love with you. And then, you know, life's, life will be a wonderful romantic thing. And, you know, that never usually happens. Some of these new young cops over there down in the locker room when we're all getting ready, they spray all this stuff all over. I said, what in the world is that? He goes, it's Axe. I go, Axe? I said, you're about to suffocate me with that stuff. Then I get it all for me and I come home. My wife says, what have you been doing? I go, I've been getting dressed. Yeah, growing up, I remember that perfume, Chanel Number no. 5. I know somebody named Chanel. I don't know if they even make that stuff anymore. Calvin Klein, all this other stuff. They even came up with a rap about Calvin Klein perfume back when I was growing up. Calvin Klein's no friend of mine. No wonder why his name's on my behind. (laughs) Calvin Klein, obnoxious guy. I don't want his name on me. I don't mind Levi's. But you know what? Many of us go out to eat, and we will pass by a very expensive restaurant to go to a hole in the wall. Why? Because the food's good, and the service is great, and the price is just right. You know, you go to these fancy places, you get one little piece of asparagus, you know, a scale of a fish which is still looking at you, and, you know, and then they hand you that check and you about faint. That's when you, 
head to McDonald's on the way back, get a quarter pounder. But he says here, a good name is better than precious ointment. Good name gives you beauty inside. I want to be beautiful inside, not just on the outside. Adrian Rogers said, beauty is only skin deep, but ugly goes all the way to the bone. Beauty fades, but ugly holds its own. So, And the day of death, better than the day of birth. That's a pretty crazy thing to say. Why is the day of death better than the day of birth? Because when we die, when we come to the point of death, we come to a realization. We can look back on our life and see what kind of a life we lived. Did I live a life of integrity? Or was I a rascally hornet? It makes us sober when we approach life's end to see what kind of legacy we're leaving. But you know, when you're born, you don't, you don't see any of that. It's a pretty joyful event. I'd like to have been conscious of that moment when I entered the world, all goopy and gobby, before the nurse really fixed you up, before showing, showing you to mama and daddy. I don't remember any of that. Do you all? If you do, I'd like to get with you. The day of birth is less than the day of death. Because Solomon is saying, the day of birth, I couldn't help but think this when my Joel was born, and Jenna, that they are entering a world that is full of toil, hardship, suffering, challenges, tears, all of this stuff, they're being born into a fallen world. Pastor Thurman always reminds us of that. And if we can get a grasp of the fact that we are a fallen people living in a fallen world, we might get along a little bit better. You know, we complain a lot about our government today, and there's a lot to complain about. And, uh, our government's done some pretty crazy things as of late, right on up to the Supreme Court. You know, supreme bumblings, I think. But you know, a government's better than no government, I guess. Our government's imperfect, and I try to remind myself that every time I watch the mainstream media, but let me get away from that. A day of death is better than the day of birth. Verse 2, it is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Solomon's saying it's better to go to a wedding. It's better to go to a funeral, rather, than to go to a wedding, a house of feasting. That's strange, isn't it? Because I'll pass by a funeral home any day to go to a wedding. I love weddings. You know, you get to do a little dancing, and the food's always good. I've never been to a wedding where the food really stunk, you know? So I go into a fancy restaurant sometimes. But he's saying that when you go to a house of mourning, a funeral, you sober up again to the things of life. I've sat there in a funeral many times. And especially when I know that the uh, person who passed away knew Christ. I think about how they live, how much joy they brought to people's lives and how much goodness that they gave to the world that they left behind. But you go to a wedding, or you go to a party, you know, you don't remember much of that stuff. You're just there to hang out and have a good time. It's like you're, you know, you're sedated to the things that are happening in life. And it's good to have a party sometimes. I like a good party. Get to hang out, blow balloons, eat cake. But you know... Solomon is saying that's not what life is all about. He's saying you need to ponder the things that are important. You need to ponder the things that matter. 
so that you can be a little bit wiser. And he says here, sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is glad. Sorrow sober, sobers us up also. When we, when we, every time we cry, every, every time I've ever had a good cry, uh, amazingly enough, I feel better. I think that's how God has designed our tears, is to ex- extinguish us from the suffering and the turmoil that's built up in us. And here's this beautiful release valve right here as they flow and release us from the tension and sorrow of life sometimes. Laughter is good if it's done in good truth. But he's saying here, don't laugh the world away. Don't be drowsy to the things of life and, to the, and, the, and, and accept the things that are sorrowful also because good can come out of those things. Being drowsy. That great medicine called Somonex. It's probably the most popular sleep aid today. I don't know if they still sell it. But I thought about having... You know, a different type of sleep aid. I call it Sermon X instead of Simon X. That's, that's when you subscribe to Sermon X. And if you can't sleep at night, a, a Baptist preacher shows up at your house and starts preaching to you from the book of Leviticus. And in about five minutes, we guarantee you'll be asleep. So, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Mirth? What is mirth? I know what girth is, but mirth? Mirth is laughter. Again, it's the party spirit. And he says here, it's better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. What is the song of a fool? A song of a fool will flatter you. He'll tell you what you want to hear. But from the wise person, he'll always give you wise, much-needed counsel. Especially our seniors today. We should listen to them. Number one, they've been on the planet longer than us. They're a little bit smarter than us. And they can always tell us, I told you so. (laughs) Listen to the rebuke of the wise. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fools. Solomon's using a a play on words here. Nettles under the kettle. I love a good fire, don't you? That's, That's the thing I enjoy most about camping is we got we got everything set up and now we've got fire going and we sit around it. And then invariably somebody gets out the marshmallows and the graham crackers and the Hershey bar chocolate and we start making those s'mores. But look at that fire. He's saying that is what a fool is like. He burns and churns and then eventually he disappears. But he's saying that to the wise, those glowing embers that are left behind, that is the wise. That's the same thing in marriage. It starts out in an explosion of romance and then it settles down to a warm glow of commitment and relationship with each other. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise. And he says here, so is the laughter of the fools. This also is vanity. A word you'll hear in Ecclesiastes so many times. Vanity, meaninglessness, worthless, a chasing after the wind. I've chased after the wind just to see what it would be like. I came back tired. It's very aerobic. Chasing after the wind. Chasing your shadow. One time my Jenna tied a little piece of string to my cat's tail. We all know how cats love string. That thing just went round and round. It's the silliest thing I ever did see in my life. Funniest thing too. But that's how we are sometimes when when we move ourselves towards the foolishness of unwiseness. 
Verse 7, Surely oppression drives the wise into madness, and a bribe corrupts the heart. What he's saying here is, surely oppression drives the wise into madness. That means, when we see the oppression of our world today and the things that are happening, we get fed up. You know, I know a lot of people today that are pretty fed up with the political things that are happening. People are fed up with the way sometimes that churches are going. And then they start going elsewhere. But he's saying here, surely oppression drives the wise into madness and the bribe corrupts. He's saying don't let that happen to you. Because Solomon is sitting back preaching to, the, to his congregation and he's saying, hold what you got. I know things are crazy right now, but I want you to settle into a mode of being able to deal with life. And a bride corrupts the heart. That's when we circumvent justice. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And that reverts back to verse 1. Better is the end than the beginning. Better is the day of death than the day of birth. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry. Boy, angry. Somebody said that bitterness is the only acid that destroys the container that it's held in. Our world today is angry. And the Lord says, be not angry, but, you know, be angry, but don't sin. It's hard to do that. And today, we live in a world where anger is now expressed in extremely deadly, violent ways. When I have to, when I have, to have a machine gun inside of the school that I work, things have gotten pretty bad. Because when I was growing up, you know what the worst thing was? Missing the waste paper basket with my bubble gum. It's gotten a lot worse today. For anger lodges in the heart of fools. And he says here, in the last verse, say not, why were the former days better than these? He's, he's saying here, look, don't always look back on what's happened in the past. God is supremely interested in what is happening currently today. He has his eyes on the future and the present, and today we're forging forward. He wants us to look ahead. It's not bad, rather, to look back on th the way things have been. You know, we always talk about back in the day. We talk about old school, but there's also new school to forge and forward. So, as we talk about wisdom this morning, as we talk about the realities of life and death, we need to come to grips with the wisdom that we need to have. And the greatest wisdom in all of the world, you can go to every college and every university, you can become Dr. This and Dr. That so that your name is Dr. Fahrenheit. The greatest wisdom you will ever acquire, anybody will ever acquire, is this. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is the first thing we need to reckon with is God's diagnosis of who we are. That if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Putting your faith and trust in Christ and knowing that assurance, knowing that when you die from this life, you'll move on into an eternity with Christ. Because here, literally the day of death is better because you're leaving this world going on to better life in eternity. Knowing that truth right there makes you smarter 
than the top-tier professor in any Ivy League college who does not know Christ and rejects his name. If you have that wisdom, you have everything you need to make it through this life. Young Mia was picked up from school by her mom, Sarah, speaking of wisdom. And uh, when they got home, Mia said, Mommy, my tummy hurts. And Sarah said, Well, that's because there's nothing in it. Uh, Let me make you something to eat and you'll feel better. So Mom made her a snack. She ate it, and she did feel better. And later on that day, Mia's tutor stopped by to talk to Sarah. And as they were talking, uh, Mia's tutor said, I've had this headache all day. And Mia piped up and said, that's because there's nothing in it. You need to put something in there. And you'll feel better. You know, folks, where we're, at, where we're at today, we need all of the wisdom that we can get. We need to deal with these elephants in the room that we have in life. And the only one that can help us deal with those is Jesus Christ, folks. If you don't know Christ as your Savior today, I beg you, before it's eternally too late, give your heart to Him. Not just, so, not just so you can have fire insurance out of hell, but so that you can live this life now and infect other people with the gospel and give them a chance to know joy and peace and truth and satisfaction and contentment in this life. That's what you'll be sharing with other people. And the only reason we're all still sitting here and standing here today is because God isn't done with us for that particular mission. Amen? I thank Him for that. When He's done with us, it's going to be a great day. I invite you to do that. If you need to be baptized, if you need to join this church, and this is a fantastic church to join, where you can serve. If you need to make a recommitment to Christ, maybe you haven't been following Him as you should, and you want to rededicate your life, uh, we'll be up here to share with you in prayer. I pray that God has spoken to you this morning because He's certainly spoken to me and I need this more than anybody else. You know, that He would use this crack-hot, squinty-eyed, hunched-over, you know, pot-bellied Asian, I don't know. But He'll use you too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your goodness. We thank You for the exhilaration of being able to handle truth and to share it. Lord, so that our lives can be transformed. We thank you, Father, for your dear Son who loved us and gave himself for us, even that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We thank you, Father, for the urgency of the gospel that today now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We ask, Father, that you would speak to the hearts of those that don't know you through your Holy Spirit, that today will be the day that they finalize and cement that decision with you so they can be prepared for eternity and experience the abundant life that you offer here. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. 
Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1.12, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father. And you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with them. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Come to one of our services. We worship at 8.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I can help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.